Good afternoon. I call this oversight hearing to order. Last Congress, we made historic bipartisan investments in long-standing unmet infrastructure needs for clean water, sanitation, and energy. We also made significant steps towards a clean energy future with investments in generation, grid resiliency, and electrification. We pushed nearly half a billion dollars directly to Native communities for energy needs and made them eligible to apply for billions of dollars more. This down payment should begin to address the United States history of actively exploiting Native energy resources for non-Native gain and willfully neglecting Native energy needs. This legacy of neglect needs to stop now. We need a course correction to support Native energy development, and it needs to start with the agencies that you represent. We've been funding the Tribal Energy Loan Guarantee Program for six years, and you've backed zero projects. You needed direct lending. We gave you that. You needed more authority. We gave you $20 billion worth of authority. You needed 100% guarantees, we gave you that. You needed credit support, we gave you $75 million. Now I hear that you're turning away applications who have supplemental grant funding. I also hear that you're subjecting tribal governments to credit worthiness tests that they can't possibly meet. No more excuses. I wanna know when these loans are going out. And it should go without saying that six years is too long. I also can't keep hearing from Native communities that they're being kept away from grant funding by poor outreach and coordination and consult consultation with Native matters buried in 60-page RFIs, burdensome application requirements like concept papers, forced partnerships with outsiders, and shovel-ready project pre-approvals. And I just want to be very clear, none of this is in statutory law. We are not asking you to do this. We are asking you to push this money out to Native communities. That's what the federal law says. And I was, I thought I was gonna do a normal oversight hearing on how are we doing on tribal energy? And what we got back from Native communities is terrible. We're doing terrible. They are being treated like they're interlopers. They are being treated like they are not sovereign and they are not being permitted to participate in the programs that the Congress has authorized and appropriated money for. And this is just for formula funding and set-asides like grid resilience funding. Tribes are having to work so hard to get the money that was designated for them that they have no bandwidth left to go after competitive funding that are also eligible. For competitive funds, I'm hearing that there is no native outreach and consultation, even for programs like battery recycling and manufacturing where the statute prioritizes tribal partnerships. No TA on applications. More square, square peg round hole requirements like community benefit plans for native projects that by definition benefit the native communities. Requiring online, and this was the one that got my attention in the first instance, now granted it got fixed, Tribes without internet had to apply for broadband using the internet. And it sort of makes you chuckle, and on, I, I do want to point out it was fixed. But the idea that there's a federal law, and it makes tribes eligible, 
and then they've got to apply online even though they don't have internet connectivity, and then they have to come to us to do our oversight to troubleshoot. Those of you who know me know I have perhaps an unearned reputation as being relatively even keeled, but I am mad. This is preposterous. I don't come here and berate people, but I'm left with no choice because we passed laws, we passed appropriations bills, and the native communities that are coming to us are saying, I don't know how to apply. They have requirements that are not statutory, that are just process and procedure or custom. And so this has to get fixed. I understand that a lot of this is the legacy of how some of these programs have been structured over many, many years, and that many of your offices, at least at Energy, are not accustomed to working with Native communities and their unique structures and needs. But everything has changed in the last two years, and we all have to adapt. Native communities cannot be left out, and I expect your agencies to actively support Native Energy development and not just solve a problem when it's brought to the committee's attention and then we bring it to your attention. It's been more than seven months since we passed the Inflation Reduction Act and nearly a year and a half since we passed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. It is time to implement. I'll now turn to the Vice Chair for her opening statement. Well, Mr. Chairman, I'm glad to hear you're a little cranky this afternoon um, because to your point, these have been issues that have been um, part of Indian country's reality, part of the reality of Alaska Native peoples for far, far, far too long. For far too long, we hear about these programs, we hear about the funding that we have put, uh, outlined in, in, in legislation, in law, um, with specific, specific set-asides for, for tribal interests. We are, we are thinking proactively. I've been a member of the Indian Affairs Committee since I came to the United States Senate now 20 years ago. And part of what I've been doing for, for 20 years is looking to those programs that we have where there should and must be more opportunities for Native people. Opportunities to compete, opportunities to better themselves, opportunities for self-empowerment. But when when it's our own systems that effectively hold them back, that's not fair to anybody. Um, and I think those of us that are sitting on this side of the dais have a right to be frustrated and angry and disappointed and a whole host of other, other uh, emotions because we're trying to do right. And I believe that the, those within the agencies are trying to do right. So I'm not quite sure where where we've got this gap here. Because I hear the exact same concerns that the chairman has, has heard. We had, um, uh, we had uh, a, a pretty major symposium hosted by the Alaska Federation of Natives just about uh, a month ago. The chairman was there and spoke at. Um, uh, we had presentations from, I think, just about every, every department and agency that was relevant to Alaska Native peoples. And, and we hear these, these frustrations. We hear about the, 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 the just mind-blowing uh, situation with, in order to apply for, for funds to upgrade your, your internet or to, to obtain uh, internet services, 
um, you've got to apply online. Um, those are those are things that most people would just scratch their head and say that's that's ridiculous, that's insanity, that's the government at its worst. Um, but that's seemingly what's happening here. I, I want to just underscore again using my state as a as an example, Alaska Native Peoples as an example of why it is so imperative that we improve tribal energy development. 14%, um, about 14% of households in Indian country don't have electricity. That's what the Department of Energy's Energy Information Administration, EIA, says. 14% don't have electricity. That's staggering. So whether you're from Alaska, where it's cold, or you're from from uh, the south or the southwest where it's hot and you can't heat, you can't cool, you can't light. What, what we did in the infrastructure bill, what was done in the Inflation Reduction Act, spends prolifically, particularly in the IRA, prolifically on rebates and incentives for electrifying homes and energy efficient home appliances. But I'll tell you, none of that is any good to uh, a place like Alaska where the electricity is, is unaffordable and the service is unreliable. Native people pay more for electricity as a percentage of their household income than any other demographic out there. And Native communities are at high risk for frequent and prolonged weather uh, power outages due to their rural locations, vulnerabilities to extreme weather and climate. I can't count the number of communities where they have been in the dark literally for days and in, in the frozen dark for days and what, what happens as a consequence of that. And in some of our villages, we have electricity rates that exceed a dollar per kilowatt hour. That's roughly a thousand percent higher than what the average American pays for electricity, which is about 10.4 cents per kilowatt hour. So again, when you talk about some of these grand innovations and, and what we're going to, to, to bring you with, uh, uh, with rebates, well, if, if, if you're paying a dollar a kilowatt hour, tell me how you're going to, how you line up for any kind of a rebate here. Most native communities in Alaska still are relying on diesel fuel and heating oil. Heating oil. They don't want to, but that's what they have. Um, right now, you know, you're looking at seven bucks a gallon. Um, some communities up in Notak this winter is seventeen dollars a gallon. Some families are spending nearly half their annual income on heating fuel, gasoline, and electricity. I mentioned reliability, um, and and the fact that you, you we don't have it. You can't count on it. Um, you can't afford it, and then you can't count on it. Fuel delivery and delivery may be limited to one or two barge shipments per year, so you have to buy ahead, you've got to purchase in bulk, but think about, think about what happens when as a, a village and a community, it's not like you've got tax revenue coming in to a community of four or five hundred people, and, and you need to pay the fuel delivery folks ahead of time, you've got to pay the contract barge service ahead of time, and so you order as much as you can afford, not as how much it will get you through the winter. We're approaching April. This is the time of year we start hearing from our communities saying, we've run out. We've run out of, of, of fuel. 
and there's still another six weeks of winter left in many parts of, of the state. And what do we do? You know what the answer is? We fly it in. Fly it in 50, 50, barrel, 50 gallons a barrel um, of, of, of fuel in an airplane, if you don't think that's expensive. And that's, that's, that's our reality. And so when they hear me coming to them and saying, ah, oh, we've got tribal energy programs. We've got, we've got a way to help you. Believe you me, they are interested. And so when we talk about the bipartisan infrastructure law and the promise that it holds, it's, it, it is, it's exciting in so many ways. But many of them are starting to feel like, is this a false promise? Is this a, a false promise here? Um, so we've got to, we, we have got to do more, as the chairman says, we have got to do better. Um, we, we can't be in a situation where the problems, the problems arrive because people just can't take it anymore and they don't know where else to turn. And so they call their senators, they call their congressmen and say, and we say, we well, got this great tribal, tribal energy loan program. And to the chairman's point, not a single loan has been issued. Uh, that Energy Policy Act, 2005, that was a long time ago. We've increased the program's loan guarantee authority, as the chairman mentioned, from $2 billion to $20 billion. We made permanent the direct lending authority of the tribes that we included in the, in the uh, Omni from last year. But I think it still remains to be seen whether the department's going to be able to make the loan program work. So um, I think it is important to just remind colleagues about the disparity, the extreme disparity. And sometimes Alaska's examples are a little bit on the extreme, but I know each and every one of us in this committee representing Native people have similar stories when it comes to, 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 to access to energy and the energy poverty amongst our Native people. Um, this is an important oversight and it's, uh, it's got to be important that there is an action plan as a consequence of, of where we go from here. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll now turn to our witnesses. Uh, we are pleased uh, to have Dr. Kathleen Hogan, the Principal Deputy Undersecretary and Acting Undersecretary for Infrastructure at the Department of Energy, and uh, Mr. Brian Newland, Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs at the U.S. Department of Interior. I want to remind our witnesses that your full written testimony will be made part of the official hearing record Please confine your statements to no more than five minutes so that members may have uh, time for questions. Dr. Hogan, please proceed.